Welcome to Preaching for the Long Haul, a podcast where we hope to shape a vision for preaching for a lifetime. My name is Solomon Wachpa. I'm Jake Bauer, and we'll be your hosts. And today, on today's episode, we have a special episode um, because our topic that we're talking about is why train up new preachers? Why train up new preachers? And today, it's not just me and Jake on this episode, but we actually have a special guest with us. Jeremy Meeks, who serves as the director and instructor of the Chicago course on preaching, is on staff at the Charles Simeon Trust uh, here in Chicagoland. And before coming on staff here, he's been a pastor out in Tennessee and out in Nicaragua, uh, Nicaragua and has his MA in bioethics from Trinity Graduate School. And as I understand it, you have, you're pursuing your PhD uh, from Trinity College in Bristol, if, uh, is that correct? Yes, it is. Hopefully one day I'll be done with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so we're super, uh, super privileged to have Jeremy on with us today because not only has Jeremy served as a pastor, but actually what Jeremy does now for his job is actually to train up preachers and to train people how to preach and to help pastors how to preach. Uh, Thanks so much for being on with us, Jeremy. We appreciate you being here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, I mean, even before we get into this conversation, we love to ask our guests on our podcast just to even tell us a little bit about how you came to become a Christian, how you came to know the Lord, and a little bit about how even God called you to be a preacher mm. yeah okay great question in about uh, three four minutes ish however right. long yeah so the shortest version of this is that i kind of grew up in the church um but was always upset with the church uh i'll I have to admit that upsetness hasn't fully gone away it, the thing that really stemmed or was the root of all of it was the kind of just intellectual uh chasm in the church there just wasn't a lot of people who could answer my questions and I thought well God might exist but I don't know about Christians being who they say they are and so that led to a long process in my teens of self-destruction until really I was uh, a senior in high school and I realized that uh, I couldn't deny the goodness of the world And it was really the goodness of the world that led me to see that uh, if Jesus is who he says he is, then it's over. And so from that point, it was like, well, if Jesus is who he says he is, then it's really all the way over. I'm not just going to be a Christian, but I'm going all the way. And Hmm. uh, wanted to give my life to ministry. So uh, I became a missionary for the worst reasons possible. I essentially thought that what uh, some other people on some other part of the world that look different than me and speak a different language. What they need is me. And uh, because I'm going to be the one that saves the world. And I learned as a missionary in Nicaragua that that's not exactly what the world needed. Uh, And then came back to the States and didn't really want to be in ministry. It was a pretty rough time in Nicaragua. Hmm. But I couldn't couldn't help myself. And uh, I couldn't get away from it. And so instead of pursuing academia at that point, I just said, you know what, I just, I can't stop wanting to be a preacher. 
And so moved to Nashville and uh, revitalized the church there in Nashville. And then oh. two years ago, got called here to Chicago to do this. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. What? So what exactly does the Chicago course on preaching do? Um, and, yeah. and for those who are listening, you should look it up after this episode. It looks really awesome on mine. But tell us yeah. firsthand what it does, Jeremy. Right. So what it does is it, um, it helps preachers learn how to preach. I, I wish I could say the preachers know how to preach. Uh, but YouTube <laughs> went to a reputable institution and got majors in preaching. So let me ask you guys the question. How many times did you preach in your preaching major? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> me, and, me and Jake uh, talk about this all the time. We right. do. We do. And they're, they're currently revising at Moody, right. the homiletical major, to allow for more preaching. But awesome. we would say we got the uh, chalk end of it for sure. Um, sure. But let's, so, I think like eight, eight times. Eight times. Eight times. So congratulations. You're on the high side. Um, most institutions, like in MDivs, you're preaching between three and six times. If you major, the, the most I've ever heard is 12. Um, mm. Now, when you're done with a program in preaching or when you're done with an MDiv, I would say that you are uh, as ready to preach as you are to give uh, graduate level systematic lectures on the second person, the Trinity. <laughs> so somehow we think that that's ridiculous but that the proclamation of God's word to God's people, which is the life for God's people can be kind of done by anybody. Mm. So my job is to try and help people in the Chicago course I'm preaching who have some kind of education like you guys, or have no education or thinking about ministry, get a really firm handle on how to read the Bible and communicate the Bible to other people uh, for the sake of God's people. So here in the Chicago course, you'll prepare uh, almost 300 kind of outlines for sermons over the course of a year and wow. you'll preach between 30 and 50 times wow yeah oh my gosh how do you get involved if you don't live in chicago you don't um so we are working 100 against uh all of the current trends in theological education this is a residential training program only and forever um it just first of all wouldn't work online yeah. um and it we're not about the transference of information. We're about the formation of pastors for ministry yeah. and that in-person presence. So we got guys that move in from all over the country, but you have to be here in order to take it. That's great. Sounds like, uh, sounds like you'll learn how to preach by the end of that program. Yeah. I mean, the proof is in the preaching. So um, thankfully we have two years of graduates out there in the world. And all I can tell you is that everybody who hears them is surprised. Um, they're not the, I wouldn't say they're the greatest preachers in the world. And I don't think this is the only way you can learn how to preach. But I kind of see it like a pressure cooker. So hmm. I love cooking. And one of the greatest things about a pressure cooker is it takes something, it takes a long time to cook and does it well in a shorter amount of time. And so hmm. I think we can get people through their first seven years of very rocky preaching just by giving them massive amounts of exposure together with other people who are doing the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you see probably all kinds of guys come coming in and out as you, as yeah. you train. Um, and so, I mean, I think this, even just hearing this, 
I mean, I'm just even so excited to be able to talk about, because I mean, I think we even got touched a little bit about the, like what you guys do at the Chicago course I'm preaching. And you touched a little bit even about the why, but I want to spend a little bit even more time on the, on the why. Okay. Of, of why, uh, like, why is it important to train a preacher's because I mean, that's kind of what this whole episode is, is right. that we're, we're coming in. And, and I, I think people might kind of maybe, maybe just assume that preachers yeah. happen, you know, like you send your guys <laughs> off to seminary, you, you send your guys off to seminary, they get their yeah. degree, and now they're ready to pastor churches. Right. But maybe talk a little bit even more about even what you were saying, like, why are these yeah. guys not ready to give yeah. lectures Great. on Trinity? Great question. So the reason why we need to train preachers as the big C church and, you know, church universal, like we all need to be interested in this. And the reason why individual churches should be interested in training up preachers, first and foremost, is because everybody's going to die. Uh, that's the key reason why we should train preachers. If nobody's going to die, then we don't need to train as many preachers because we just, we, you know, missions and all that, we could train some over time but uh the first reason is everybody's gonna die so if you're preaching right now somebody needs to replace you and the other reason is because uh we don't have enough preachers Uh, i know that if you live in certain parts of the united states it looks like there's a church on every corner there's not preaching in all those churches i can guarantee you and if there is (laughs) preaching there's there's not preaching out of the bible it's out of the bible usually it's not great and so it's not just that we need more preachers, but preachers need to continue to get better because the task is too important. And the reason why we need preachers is because it's the way that God has designed for his word to be communicated to his people. It's not just like you reading in whatever the heck a quiet time is, having coffee with <laughs> Jesus. Um, as much as that's a gift. Um, if that's the way that God communicates to his people, then God didn't communicate to his people for 1700 years because yeah. people didn't have Bibles. And so we have to have preachers. I think we need to train preachers today for all the reasons I mentioned. And also because um, it, the way that Augustine puts it at the beginning of book four is that we need to be trained of on Christian doctrines that we need to be trained in persuasive communication, what you would call rhetoric, because the world is always arguing against the truth of Christianity. He says this 2000 years ago, and it's all no. the more true today. Um, so I don't think we just need preachers as in like a guy to stand behind a desk on Sundays. Right. We need well-trained preachers because communicating the Bible isn't easy. Understanding the Bible isn't easy kind of the lie of the 20th century and uh it's a task that desperately needs to be done both for people inside and outside the church i mean i think i would ask the question like why not train preachers like why wouldn't that be like one of our like most important tasks in the church yeah so what is what are some qualifiers that you look for when you're training preachers when you're aiming to grow preachers what are some of the things that they need to hit for them to be a a preacher you would trust on a sunday morning oh okay um so i think that a few things are key i think that uh, somebody has preached well 
when they have earnestly uh, tried to communicate what God's word is communicating to the people who are present in the room. Now that so there's like three parts to that, right? So they're trying to communicate what's in the Bible, not just like a word or a general idea or a theological principle, but it's what that text is trying to say. Uh, so that's key because if it's not that, then like, why would you even pretend to read the passage? I've asked this, wanted to ask the question <laughs> a lot of times, like, Thanks for that public religious communication, but why do you kind of lie on the Bible and read it at the beginning, pretending like it was, it's like, it's like some people who like pray before dinner, where it's like, okay, we have to put food in our mouths because this is what religious people do. And sometimes what it seems like when people read the Bible before preaching, it's like, why would you even do that? We know you're not going to talk about that. The second thing is like earnestness, right? Like it's not just your job. So they're actually like trying and, and it, this is like very nebulous, like there's no objective measures to this. But when you actually see somebody like, OK, I think we all can we all know when like a guy's actually trying to do something. And we're yeah. trying to do in this case is preach the Bible. And the third key contingent, and this is the, probably the most important thing. Oh, no, they're all important. But this one's like often missing is they're actually trying to communicate to the people that are in that room. They're not just trying mm-hmm. to like say words out loud. I, I often ask preachers like does it matter that i'm here like me and then like the people that are sitting here and i think a lot of times we're like no it doesn't matter uh, i was talking to a friend this is a few months ago and he was saying how uh his preaching radically changed because of covid hmm. uh, i think he's probably the only person who got uh, to be a better preacher because of covid uh, but <laughs> he was pre- <laughs> preached to a camera because of all this stuff and so he was meeting with other preachers and these other preachers were like, man, I realize how much I count on people being in the room. Like, it's so different. And he was sitting there thinking like, it's not that different for me at all. And he realized, oh no, like I have a big problem because I don't actually preach to the people who are in the room. Well, Now I think that that's like a painful but necessary thing for him to go through it. I think more preachers need to go through it. Like if, if I'm preaching to a, not just like a youth group in general, but like your Jake, your junior high youth group in Boulder, Colorado, it should sound different and it should probably be different than if I'm preaching to a junior high youth group here in Chicago. But it's not just because Chicago and Boulder are different. Like even here in Chicago, like every preaching moment is unique. And so when a guy is faithfully trying to communicate his, the word of God earnestly to the people who are in the room, yeah. and even if he bombs, it's like, well, you know what, dude, you gave it a go. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How's that? So how does that come out? Because I mean, I love your emphasis on audience focus. I think that that's really missing in, um, in the church. And sometimes we're just running commentaries. But I'm, how, how does that? Uh, what are ways that you gear a sermon towards the audience? Is it just relevant yeah. application? Is it, you know, what, what are some practical ways you would throw out there to do that? Yeah. So there's like, these are all broad principles, right? Because it's going to depend on your audience but first of all it's like uh the first most important thing is you know who your audience is Mm. uh, to the best of your ability right like you're not going to know everybody's story coming in there on it but like to the best of your understanding what's going on so i tell guys who are guest preaching all the time like you need to spend time talking to whoever you're going to preach to the leader of that group the pastor the you know whatever who is it that i'm talking to um and hear from them what are they going through what are the things I need to avoid? What are the things I particularly need to kind of 
say or emphasize or whatever, depending on the group. And then it's relevant illustrations to that group of people. I'll never forget a time I was in Sudan and uh, a guy was preaching. Uh, He's an American and he was using an illustration about a snowball. Um, and it was wonderful because. Oh my gosh. No. Um, and like even the translator is like, we don't have, we don't have a word for snow. So I don't know what we're going to do with this one. Um, so that's something. So you have uh, relevant illustrations. Is it just even like relevant vocabulary? Right. Like I shouldn't use words that my people don't use. I should, if I'm going to quote somebody, it should be somebody that they read. Like, I don't care if you read Dostoevsky, which you don't, right? <laughs> okay. It's like you went on Goodreads and you found one quote from the Brothers Karsmarov, and you're like, okay, here we go. Cause this is about like religious stuff. So I'm going to do that. Um, just be yourself and be, and be relevant in the right sense of the term to the people you're speaking to. And then even in like the way that you um, title the thing or make your argument, make your homiletical points, it should be something that's easily capturable by them. You're there to serve them. They're not there to serve like your public performance art. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. I'm going to backtrack in this question that I ask. Um, But so how can local churches like where do where do you start to be like right. okay, we want like we 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 see that we need to train up preachers yeah but how do you even begin that and right. like what is the best way for that even to begin yeah that's a great question and it's a hard question to answer uh, i think that if the pastor's not into it then it's over or at least it's very difficult so there's a couple of things, though, that come to mind. There's a wonderful little book. It's really a booklet written by Christopher Ash called Listen Up. And it's really about how to listen to sermons. Um, I think that everybody in the church read that little book. Uh, and because it's like how you, how you listen to sermons. And then at the very end, it's like, and here's how you maybe, if it's really necessary, give feedback to the preacher about a sermon. But actually give mm-hmm. good feedback about the sermon. Um, so I would say that like, the regular average pew member needs to know what to listen for. Um, and that book's a great place to start. You get, it's like, I think it's Matthias media book. It's wonderful, wonderful little book. Um, I think that the church should train preachers uh, by first and foremost, like giving them opportunities and giving them small opportunities. So I think that too often, the only preaching that we have is like Sunday morning from the pulpit, but there should be other kind of moments of preaching and it's really on the pastor and on the leaders to kind of make opportunities to see that happen and it's going to depend on the context i think also something that needs to happen is like training needs to take place like it's not just it's not only enough to have at bats although at bats are key because somebody can read all about preaching and like not be a good preacher which shouldn't any kind of surprise somebody who reads about surgery and has never done surgery is not going to be a good surgeon. Somebody who reads all about cars <laughs> and works on a car, right? But somehow we think that like preaching is magical, right? Because, <laughs> and so like you just read some books and get a degree and all of a sudden you can be a preacher, which is insane. But yeah. so there's, there's lots of good books out there on preaching. There's, you know, not to rep what we do, but like we've got like these online courses 
They're specifically designed to help people who don't like live here and can't get to a workshop or can't come to Chicago course to just go through it. And they're, they're designed to be done like with other people because it's really hard to learn about preaching by yourself. And so we've had preachers take small groups of, of guys through uh, at their church through these online workshops and have incredibly beneficial uh, you know, training opportunities because really the videos and the worksheets are just kind of like to get the ball rolling. And it's from right. there that, that you kind of work together and you're like, okay, like let's tackle this book together and try and figure out how would we preach this. And I, one of the big things that preachers can do that's like simplest thing ever is take a couple guys who are interested in preaching or who should be interested in preaching and say, Hey, listen, you're going to come to my house on Monday nights and we're going to sit in my living room. And I want you to ask me all the questions you want to ask about why I did what I did. And I want you to tell me what, like, you think I did really well. There's two things you think that like I didn't do well. And I'm going to disagree with you sometimes, but we're going to sit around and then like you let young guys pick your brain and critique you. And then you change on the base of that critique. And you'll see these guys, get more and more interested in preaching. You give them opportunities. You give them training opportunities. You know, faithful in small things, faithful in big things, all that stuff. And then, and then, Lord willing, what every church should be doing is creating a bullpen. So this is going to differ depending on churches and giftings and all that. But it would be great if every church had a few guys who were being trained up, either in school or not in school or whatever, who then they could resource other churches with. Because there's all kinds of churches that need a preacher like this Sunday or for this month. And like, it's great to have preachers in your church you can just give away, right? Mm-hmm. You're giving them opportunity, you're giving other churches the opportunity to have somebody preach to them instead of having to watch a video or something. Man, it's like, it's here's the encouragement to anybody who's out there who's like, ooh, I don't know about this. It's not that hard. It really is not that hard. I am excited about so much of what you just said i mean i'm just thinking personally in a ministry context like how can i incorporate some of these principles into training up preachers and middle school ministry and one thing in particular that you mentioned that i think is going to stick with me for a little while is um you can't learn to be a preacher in isolation or it requires community to be a preacher and that's part of what solomon and i want to do on this podcast is that this is dialogue about preaching because we recognize that we're not going to learn to be preachers unless we're dialoguing with preachers. Um, yep. mm-hmm. But that's just such a true thing about preaching is when you even just go rehearse in front of a mirror or whatever, it's like not, it doesn't feel like preaching. It's not right. preaching. It doesn't, right. you know, you, you can maybe uh, refine your content a little bit and memorize it more doing yeah. that. But there's something that you're, that's missing so hard when people are not present there critiquing yep. and being a part of it. Right. Uh, yeah, right. that's a good and, word. So, and when you hear this, like, kind of critique stuff, because, like, there's guys like Bonhoeffer, right, who are like, okay, we're not going to critique the preaching because, I mean, he's coming from, like, German higher criticism and stuff where everything was, like, so critical. But, like, he right. was like, Cause we want to just receive <laughs> the word, which I get. And it's the, so the critique stuff isn't just, like, that was terrible and this needs to be better or whatever. And you're just trying to, perf- <laughs> like, it's some kind of, you know, piece of uh, professional oratory. But there's... There's just stupid things that we all do as preachers that we're not even aware of, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I when I first became the preacher in Nashville, this was like a year into it. The, I still, to this day, this was like the most like gut-wrenching piece, but like helpful piece of preaching feedback I ever got. 
was from a lady who didn't know jack about preaching who <laughs> wasn't a very mature christian and she was a friend of somebody who was a member of our church and she was sitting there and she had a, I, I knew she was married and she had a kid the kid was in the back um but in order to get to the back in our weird little church you had to walk actually like toward the pulpit like on the side so like if you had to go to the bathroom or anything like everybody saw you walking out so she kind of walks out and i'm like oh she's probably gonna go see her kid or whatever because he's a little kid um and then she didn't come back so after church i was just kind of like you know milling around talking to everybody and i asked her I'm like hey so is your kid already she goes yeah he's fine i was like oh because like you know you walked out like pretty early in the sermon and you, you didn't come back and she goes oh yeah it's because i don't like your preaching <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, well, you have to understand is I'm pretty good at this. Um, so no, I didn't. <laughs> I was, what? what are you talking about? You don't like my preaching. She goes, I'll never forget. She just looks at me straight in the face and without like any kind of like craziness, she just goes, Well, I mean, you were starting all kinds of fights with people who weren't in the room. Hmm. Hmm. And what happened was I was I was preaching in John. I don't even remember what passage it was in John. But I was essentially saying, like, now these people say, right, because it was just like that old, like, that commentaries, and I'm trying to help everybody, like, understand what the big debates are, and these people say this thing over here, but really it's this thing over here, and she's like, we're, I, I don't know who you're preaching against, like, none of those people, you know, none of those people here, so I don't know what the heck you're doing, and I was just mm -hmm. like, shoot, I couldn't sleep for, like, a day, um, <laughs> kept me up all night, and I realized. Oh, that's all that's that I am. I'm trying to what is it? What I think it was, and what I think it is a lot of times, because I think a lot of guys do this, is they're essentially thinking that Sunday morning, if I'm the preacher, is my moment in time to demonstrate to all of you that I deserve to be paid for this because I did a lot of homework. And so this hmm. is the this is my homework report. Um, no. and that's that's what I was doing. Hmm. Um but still this day that like I've received thousands of pieces of preaching feedback. And that by far has been the most like life-changing piece I ever got. Wow. And what's, what's encouraging to me, even in this conversation with you, Jeremy, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but none of your degrees are in preaching <laughs> or even in Bible. That's correct. And, and yet like, I mean, so much of what you were saying is like, how can churches train up preachers as you, you kind of have to just let them do it. Right. Um, and I mean, of course you like walk through them and you can't let them preach heresy and you teach sure. them how to read their Bibles, but yeah. like the degree isn't the necessary piece. Nope. Like, you kind of just have to be in a church. I mean, it's kind of yeah. what I hear you say. Like, yeah. So, so, and I like, don't hear me wrong, right? God bless Moody and their preaching program and <laughs> God bless heads and everybody else who's trying to do good work. But like, let's be honest. And I think that this is like just a lie that seminarians believe going in and churches believe when they come out, which is that like what you learn at seminary is how to be a preacher. Even if you get a major in preaching, there's still all kinds of you know, non-preaching classes you have to do. Yeah. And MDiv is just an insanely large master's degree that's an introduction to the field of divinity, which is massive, which is why it's so big. That's all it is. It's just introduction yeah. after introduction setting you up for a lifetime of learning. 
And it's great because that's very important. Like I didn't do it, but like other people have done it. <laughs> I decided to go the ethics route because ethics is a dumpster fire in the church. And I figured somebody needed to do work on it. That was what interested me. But when it came mm. to preaching, it was listening. I, I learned by doing a lot of listening to preaching, by getting a lot of opportunities to preach, by wanting to be really good at this. And so wanting to know it to train others because nobody, nobody trained me to do this. Like right. I didn't have, I didn't have like strong pastors. I didn't have like a, a dad who was a pastor or anything like that. Right. And so I, when I actually like now part of the thing that fuels everything is like, I don't want another guy to ever say what I've ha- what I'm able to say. Right. Not because I want people, you know, because I'm awesome. It's like, no, my, my testimony is like a tragedy. I want, guys to say like i came up under so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so i learned in my local church i was at the chicago course like and i learned not only how to preach but i learned how to train preachers well wow. because i tell students all the time like if you just learn how to preach here then i've wasted my time because you're going to die so if yeah. i do my job right then you leave here so consciously competent about what preaching is and how to do it that you can then go and train others yeah um because we all need to be training preachers. Like there's, there's, I don't, there's, there's no like need for job security around here. Right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cast is too big. There's too many churches. There's, there's too many unsafe people. Like we can't train enough preachers. Right. Yeah. And if you want to hear Jeremy actually talk more about preaching, Jeremy is actually a host of another podcast on preaching. Oh yeah. And that podcast is called Preacher's Talk. We can actually link that down in our show notes too. But also, cool. if you go check on the Charles Simeon Trust website, you can go find, I believe, the workshops and everything. And even if yeah. you're interested in the Chicago course I'm preaching, figure out if this is actually something you want to do. Yeah. Um, and then, like, if, if this sounds interesting, you can also just, like, like we tell everybody, else, Solomon's come, right? Jake's going to get on a plane and come out here and check it out. Um, <laughs> I'm just speaking prophetically no like if you want to come check it out come sit in for a day or two in the chicago course just come see it there's no we don't have any like special days right where it's like we put on a big show like just come sit in i'll buy you lunch it'd be a great time and uh, you see kind of what we do sweet is there any place where people could email you to yeah, do that yeah sweet yeah so um, you can get in contact with me through the website or just like go email me at jmeeks, J-M-E-E-K-S at simeontrust.org and, uh, or just show up. You know, the directions are on the website. <laughs> just show up. That's fine. We take stragglers. Jump on that midnight plane tonight. That's right. Well, you heard it, folks. Uh, Jake, I don't know if you have any, any last thoughts, but uh, Jeremy, we, we normally close out with, with two questions. So Jake, I don't know if you have uh, any other thoughts for before I yeah, let's go into it you. sweet and you these can be as long or as short as you want them Jeremy awesome um, but the first question is what would your encouragement be to young guys like Jake and I who feel called to preach to prepare for a lifetime of preaching what would I tell you guys yeah say to our face oh, you yeah. can actually tell us right now it doesn't even have to yeah. be uh, rhetorical yeah Here's, here's what I would tell you is um, don't screw around. So this work is way too important to like be lazy. 
And the mm-hmm. dirty secret is churches will let you be lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not demanding good preaching. They're demanding preaching like they want to hear. The whole thing that Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, they've got itching yeah. ears and all that kind of stuff. Like, that wasn't like some hypothetical future about 21st century America alone. That's been the church all the way through time. So don't pretend that this is anything else than like really important. Um, so whether you're speaking just like junior high, and there's like three kids there that week because everybody else went to like camp or whatever, or you're in front of like big church, right? No, everybody's there. That, that doesn't matter. Every mm. moment of the proclamation of God's word is vitally important. And so treat it that way. And if you treat it that way, then it's actually going to, people are going to pick it up. They're going to be like, oh, this is important. They're not going to think it's important if you don't think it's important. Uh, And the other thing I would say, which is kind of the exact opposite of that, is like, just chill out. Like, seriously, chill out. Like, this is not on you because uh, you will argue nobody into the kingdom of God and people don't get saved because of your excellent preaching. So, uh, mm. on the one hand, like, and these are this very much like contrasting opinions you have to hold in tension, but they're vitally important. Like, if, if you don't take it serious, you're dead. And if you uh, take it too serious and don't realize that, like, it's not on you, you're also going to die. Mm. And so, just kind of be serious about it. And always be like, here's the thing, like, be curious. Don't stop being curious, right? Like, don't try and be anybody else than yourself but it takes a long time to figure out who you are and so just trying to kind of do new things keep experimenting right especially as you like young guys right like right. i don't know what you do right now change it okay like uh well, i take 1800 words up in the pulpit with me great next week take 800 just see what happens uh preach for less time i don't know how long you preach you would probably be better if you preach for half the amount of time you preach right now. Just, <laughs> hey, you, nobody needs to know everything that you know, and nobody uh-huh. cares. Nobody cares. So, um, with there's this one line in a Wendell Berry poem, um, which the poem is called Manifesto, the Mad Liberation, uh, Mad Farmers Liberation Front. It's one of the greatest poems you ever wrote. But he kind of says, like, you should ask yourself, would this content a woman content to have a child? Like, so when you're, when you're preaching, be like, would this, would this satisfy, like, a woman who only wanted to have a child in life? Not like the big dreams and aspirations of the big theology nerd in the back. Right. But, like, would this satisfy, like, the very, like, just normal person in your congregation? Would they understand what you're saying? Because if they don't, then you shouldn't care about what you're saying. Hmm. Your goal is simplicity. Your goal isn't like awesomeness. Yeah. yeah. Like listen to even the worst feedback that you get. Cause it's not all wrong. Like you'll get people who say some yeah. dumbest things to you when you preach. They like are wrong and don't make any sense. And you just go like, all right, I'm going to try and figure out what was good in that thing. And then don't listen to the praise too highly because people are going to praise you for all kind of crazy stuff, right? Like, <laughs> I loved it when you talked about Jesus as our warrior, and you're like, I did not say that in this preaching. Um, <laughs> you, okay, thank you. Right? Like, oh, you're the best preacher I've ever heard. You're like, okay, thanks. I haven't heard you clearly haven't heard much preaching, or you're just lying. <laughs> which, but I'll just okay, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah.
I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, just take it serious and don't take yourself too serious. No, yeah. that's a good word. Uh, last question, uh, because this is a this is a podcast where we care about preaching, but we also care about about local church pastors. Um, and so, what would your encouragement be to the tired local um, church pastor who's discouraged about preaching and still has to go up this Sunday? Yeah. Okay. So exactly the same thing first and foremost right take this seriously don't take yourself too seriously i i don't know why guys get burnt out um there's lots of reasons i've talked to a lot of them they're as varied as they there are numbers of preachers out there but like you get to do something awesome when you preach like yeah. don't discount that and i know that like everything else gets in the way of preaching in pastoral ministry everything meetings budgets details you gotta clean the toilet and all that kind of stuff because pastoral ministry is lame um like <laughs> it's tough but like realize that this is the one thing that you get to do that matters most it's not the only thing that matters everything else matters too but like this matters most and uh, it's it's a it's a privilege to do it, and it's not always fun. Like uh, mm. you know, if you think it's always fun, go ahead and read the book of Jeremiah. Okay, great <laughs> preacher, forty year preaching ministry, day one at his commissioning service. God himself is like, by the way, I'm gonna keep you safe from all your enemies. I mean, I can only imagine Jeremiah being like, okay, well, can we just like have the no enemies part? Like, let's do that. Uh, you know, Isaiah, God's like commissioning service he's like by the way nobody's gonna listen to you like great thank you very much right amos is like oh you know i'm not a prophet or son of a prophet and the priest is like yeah get out of here you jerk um and nobody listens to him jose's got a married prostitute right like paul's got the thorn in the flesh and peter i mean he's just got problems okay like nope <laughs> i don't know where we got this idea like preaching is great like preaching is pain and suffering uh, yeah. uh, Gardner Taylor called it the sweet torture of Sunday morning. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. what this is. But you're there in order to serve God's people. And if it's so, first of all, realize that it's awesome and terrible at the same time. And then another thing is like, find young guys, man. Like, just find, like, they're not going to pick low hanging fruit, but sometimes there's hardly any fruit there at all. But like, don't just wait for the guy to walk in the door and be like, I feel called by the sovereign spirit of god to proclaim his word like usually it's going to take you walking up to a guy and going like hey listen why don't you like come start meeting with me on saturday mornings well these guys like why well because we're gonna start reading the bible together why i, I don't know like i'm praying maybe god's got something for you it's like no i'm gonna i'm gonna go you know be a doctor or something or a garbage man i don't know whatever you're like yeah I, well okay that's cool but like i want i want to talk to you about the bible and as you get guys interested in the Bible, then you'll quickly see who you should kind of go at. And then you go right back to some of the guys and you go, like, look, I want you to consider giving up two years of your life to see if God has you destined to preach. Like, we're, mm. we have to go after preachers. We can't just wait for them to fall on our laps. That's one of the most encouraging stuff that happens to older guys who are discouraged in ministry. It's having young guys alongside them who are like, all right, let's go and see what happens. Yeah. No, that's a good word. Jeremy, we so appreciate having you on. Um, I don't know if you guys have any other closing thoughts before before we 
we head out. Yeah, I learned a ton from you today, Jeremy. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm categorically one of those tired ministers right now. So super thankful for uh, just hearing the importance of the task of preaching and even tips in ministry. I'm like, wow, this is some really gold stuff to just take away and think about um, and ministering to students. So thanks for, thanks for the help and the encouragement. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, we so appreciate you taking the time today to come and have this conversation with us. Uh, it's been an awesome conversation. It's only been the tip of the iceberg, even to some of the things I wanted to ask. Um, but we thank you listeners for joining us in this conversation. You've been listening to Preaching for the Long Haul, a podcast where we hope to shape a vision for preaching for a lifetime. Mm-hmm.